0: Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it is that time again. Time for Pikappy Podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast all about the Pokemon anime. Every single episode gets a little bit of love. I'm going from start to finish, and today we're back in the main series. We are in advanced generation. A little bit of a filler episode on the agenda for today. But some important plot things do happen, so hang on for that. I don't think I have any housekeeping today, and if I do, it's completely slipped my mind. So uh, we're just gonna get right into it, to this episode recap. If I was supposed to do housekeeping, hopefully I'll remember it by next episode. Anyway, getting right into the meat of this episode. This episode is called "Grass Hysteria" from Advanced Generation Number Seventy Three, and the episode opens somewhat ominously. The music is eerie. The kids are so lost that Max's PokéNav doesn't even get service. Even more worrisome, their their compass is just swinging all over the place. They can't find north. They can't find where they are on the map. And then, a wild Skarmory, the giant metal bird Pokemon, leaps out of the bushes to start attacking the kids. No worries, everybody. Skitty jumps out of its Pokéball to protect everyone. I'm sure you're all so relieved. So May has to go protect Skitty. Those two are getting better at battling, uh, but not that good. Uh, May shields Skitty with her body, which is very noble and brave, and Skarmory grabs her and carries May off into the skies. Well, after years of chasing Team Rocket Balloons and their kidnapped victims, these kids are old hat at following aerial objects, so they follow the Skarmory on foot. And it's all going as usual, until they run into... (laughs) possibly the previously unknown rivals of Team Aqua and Team Magma, like, really. These two men in the forest are in hoods, they show up, and they are dressed basically like Team Magma grunts, only in green. Apparently the episode does not show them having a relation to Team Aqua or Team Magma in any capacity, but I'm I'm gonna just throw that out there that this is a little bit of Pokemon lore, that there is a team greenery, a team flora or something off in Hoenn that is just doing its own thing and not particularly paying attention to the turf rivalry thing that Aqua and Magma are up to. Anyway, these guys have erected a wooden barricade and declared this part of the forest is off-limits. No humans allowed, no exceptions, no matter what, not even if your sister is kidnapped by flying Pokemon. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that they missed that site, like, nobody ever looks up on this show. But with the kids pleading, like, these people prove they're not completely heartless, if a human has really been taken beyond the wall, that could be trouble. So they first need to talk to old man Smokey. Smokey is kind of heartless, though. Or at least fears the wrath of the grass Pokemon should humans dare tread inside. Not even for a kidnapped little girl will he allow interlopers. Max's please do not move him. Ash and Brock's heroic moxie and determination to save people regardless of what anybody else thinks. um, That does move him a bit. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Just hang on while I try to find the best way to handle this situation. So, while they're kind of doing that, let's check in with May. Scarmary has dropped May and Skitty off at the top of a small mountain. They're pretty safe and sound, but May puts Skitty in its Pokeball just to be sure that they don't have any more trouble on that front. And she's looking around and notices a Bulbasaur. And this is it. I didn't realize the fated meeting was so soon, so soon after. Oak planted that seed. It's a bitty little Bulbasaur with a heart-shaped spot on its forehead, and it's picking out flowers when it stumbles close to the edge of the cliff. May rushes forward and grabs it before it falls. And like a certain other Bulbasaur trained by a main character, this one lives in a home protected by but off-limits to humans, and as such is a little hesitant when they just show up out of the blue in their home though presumably without Ash's Bulbasaur's whole truckload of emotional baggage this one warms up to May fairly quickly not so much the other grass pokemon a sunflora a gloom weeping bell are downright ticked that some human is making friends with their pal they actively attack May even though Bulbasaur tries to talk them down the grass pokemon drag them away and the cavalry of grass pokemon converge um So May is facing a small army of grass types. The obvious choice is to call out Torchic and try to defend herself. Thankfully, Torchic's ember is super effective, and the grass Pokemon are cowed by the power of fire. May and Torchic use this chance to run for it, and Bulbasaur wants to follow them, but the other grass Pokemon forbid it. So with the human rescue team, the deliberation of the adults is taking a long time. And Movie 3 has taught us how Ash responds to that. He is not waiting for backup or approval. This rescue mission starts now. Ash and Brock's bright idea is to throw themselves bodily at the stockade made of full tree trunks. Like, last episode we corroded metal with the power of Pokemon attacks and this is the best you two came up with against wood. The adults get wise to their plan, obviously, and run to catch them, and Ash, Brock, and Max finally get the brainwave to climb over the ramparts, using the vines that are growing all along. Ash makes it with Pikachu, but Brock and Max's vines snap, and they fall back to the ground, at the mercy of the Poochiena and the weird guys in Team Flora, as I'll be calling them, we don't actually know who they are, just guardians of this forest, Brock and Max are caught, but they urge Ash on. Tell my story! Save May! You're our only hope, Ash! Leave us behind! So he goes off to find May in the woods. She and Torchic are sneaking around the bushes and dodging stun-spore attacks. But it's no use. There are Pokémon everywhere. Angry and poised to attack, she and Torchic are surrounded. Until Ash swings in on a vine, like Tarzan. With him around, the damsel in distress is saved. He doesn't even use fire attacks, just has Pikachu. Use a thunderbolt to clear a path. is really leaning onto the hero trope this episode. He grabs May's hand and runs, like that whole boy leading while holding the hand of the girl without looking behind him thing. Like, And as he's dragging her along, he catches her up in the whole forbidden land situation. They dodge this way and that, running through the woods, but are finally cornered on the edge of a cliff. May tries to plea for mercy, like, please, I just want to leave. I know you want that too. And I'd never hurt any of you. Look at me, I am not a threat. Pikachu and Torchic vouch for their trainers. I hope they tell the grass Pokemon to take it up with Skarmory. None of the talking does any good. These Pokemon aren't here to talk. They're here to do business. And it looks like Ash and May are about to get vine-whipped to death, but then intervenes a Venusaur! Lumbering out of the woods, a Venusaur approaches and all the grass Pokémon stop. I'm amazed that this Venusaur seems to be the leader here, like the Bulbasaur evolution line just loves presiding over hidden villages of grass Pokémon. Like, this is like the third one I can remember. I wonder if they're all connected, like they have a branch system communications network venusaur caresses the two humans with its vines and listens to that bulbasaur from earlier but then it picks up torchic and is like no no way after all torchic is a fire pokemon and grass pokemon are all flammable i just went on vacation with my family we started at a family reunion in spokane and then up into canada through british columbia and then back to my hometown. And, like, in Spokane, we were evacuated from a beach because of a wildfire, like, right next to us. British Columbia was entirely on fire. Like, it was it was almost like the fog rolling in. It was so bad. So, like, I can understand a Venusaur's concern. Like, if I saw a Torchic, it doesn't matter how cute they are or how much I love them. Like, we're shutting that down right now. <laughs> the climate does not support this today. So May recalls Torchic, which helps a lot towards friendly relations. She also makes an apology for causing trouble and stress here, and Venusaur tells all the other Pokémon that May did save little Bulbasaur. Her intentions are good, and she doesn't seem eager to do any battling beyond defending herself, so she and her friends must be good. We have Meowth to translate this for us, which means yes, Team Rocket's got a plan to steal the Pokémon, like... How did they get in here? The Guardians are so busy policing little kidnapped girls that they miss these three morons barging through. Like, come on, guys. (laughs) Anyway, in the meantime, Ash and May get the tour of the area now that they've got the friend pass. Little Bulbasaur gives May a flower. Aw, Ash is like, that's so sweet. Man, I miss my Bulbasaur. (laughs) May's interested to hear about it, but this Bulbasaur is like, I'm the only Bulbasaur you need, baby. It uses Vine Whip to grab her wrist and pull her along. Ash follows. And they all follow Bulbasaur to the crest of a hill where they see how big this forest really is and how beautiful and magical and civilization is in the distance. So now they know the way out. But Bulbasaur has never been out before. It's curious about this big world that May's describing and kind of wants to see it. Even if it doesn't have the same use for clothes that May does. <laughs> I'm sure it's 100% down to try all the food with her, though. Back with Brock and Max, uh, they've rounded up the villagers to mount a rescue, and hear that there's a large amount of electromagnetic stuff in the Earth here. Basically, compasses don't work in this area, which is why the Poké Nav doesn't work. Which I... I... I do know that compasses work by magnetic energy, but I kind of always assumed the Pokanav was GPS, which was like satellite. I didn't think it could be affected the same way, but maybe it can or does. I don't know. My science knowledge is very tertiary. I went to a performing arts college. But either way, it might explain how they keep getting lost in these forests and mountains, despite technology being on their side alongside maps and the like, But I don't know, Max. I've done like eight generations of Pokemon journeys now, and I always know exactly where I am. So, I don't know what your problem is. (laughs) Anyway, we cut back to Ash and May and see a huge difference between Ash and Pikachu that I've brought up before and will definitely be bringing up again in at least one other movie this generation. Um, It's been like half an hour since Ash found May. An hour, even a couple hours, I'll accept, but like the sun is the same place in the sky. So it has not been all that long. That even in this magical place that few humans get to see and lots of Pokemon friends, it's been like max four hours since May has been missing, since Ash has found May. And he's like, May, we gotta head back, specifically because Brock and Max are really worried. And that's a big deal for Ash to say. That, again, This is magical, no one's ever seen this Pokemon mystery land. I'm sure Ash wants to just lose himself here and chat with Pokemon and play and discover new things, I'm sure. But he recognizes that his friends, specifically May's little brother, are very worried. And they need to be getting back. And it's only been a few hours. Other episodes and movies have shown Pikachu, on the other hand to go entire days entire 24 hour periods before he's like hey ash might be worried about me maybe i should head back like i'm just saying hold on to that thought for a couple more movies because for some dumb reason i'm still not over it (laughs) anyway they agree to start making their way back but before they can take a step there's commotion in the woods Team Rocket has a mech robot that appears to be shaped like a middle-aged farmer lady. Anyway, it's just scooping up grass Pokemon and tossing them in a rucksack-type cage. The evil mean lady Mach 1 is stealing all the Pokemon, but it stops so Team Rocket can perform the motto for Ash and May like, for no reason, they barely asked. Like, Team Rocket could have just gone past them, mowed them over, easily not stopped, easily not exited the safety of their vehicle. But this is who they are, and they gotta commit, I guess. Speaking of committing, they're gonna steal Pikachu and Bulbasaur, you know, since they're here. So Ash and May run. Not quick enough, the robot got Bulbasaur, plucks it up, but Venusaur appears. Venusaur doesn't run from this nonsense. It defends its friends and rescues Bulbasaur with a vine whip and then squares up to fight this robot. It gives a one vine punch and a two. The robot's spinning and then it grabs the rucksack with its vines and pulls. It's a game of tug of war. Both sides pulling, giving everything they've got, and then Team Rocket pulls out that old trick. They stop pulling. And Venusaur falls completely off balance. Vulvasaur runs to help its big buddy, but the robot uses this chance to grab it. May grabs Vulvasaur, and the robot gets her too. So Ash is just... Okay. that leaves me. He goes over with Pikachu, and the two of them try to, like, lift Venusaur back onto its feet, which is... A sight. I admit that Ash is probably extremely fit for a ten-year-old and capable of amazing physical feats that he ought not to be able to be capable of, but this is, this is a lot. <laughs> so while Ash and Pikachu are trying to do that, May is showing that she may have some of my favorite Ash trait. You may remember, the bad guys might capture Pokemon, but they never want to capture Ash Ketchum. You do not want to capture him and take him to your base of operations because that's the point where you're done. Like Ash will wreck you from the inside Pokemon or no Pokemon, sometimes more efficiently if he doesn't have Pokemon. <laughs> so Mei is now in the rocket mech. Um, she's got Bulbasaur, she's got all her Pokemon in their Pokeballs and all of the um, g- grass Pokemon of the forest. So she starts organizing the troops and destroying this thing from the inside out. Like, good job, May. She's become a lot more proactive over the episodes. Ash figures out what's going on and he coaches May from the outside, telling her about Bulbasaur's razor leaf. Bulbasaur complies and they basically stuff that robot so full of leaves until it bursts and all the Pokemon fly out. A very creative uh, attempt to get out. I love it. May leads all the Pokemon back to the forest, Um, the robot hands are still trying to grab after them, and that's when Max and the village guard finally show up like, hi guys, it's been a minute, but they have fresh troops, a bunch of Poochienna who use Shadow Ball on the robot, Pikachu's electricity is useless against it, but, (laughs) I mean, every now and then Team Rocket remembers to electric-proof their stuff. But Venusaur has been sitting pretty in the sun for a long minute here, so its solar beam is ready to go, and it gets the blasting-off honors and just demolishes the robot. After that, the other humans, well-meaning as they are, feel like they've overstayed their welcome. Not that the grass Pokémon seem upset, but it is time to go. Ash and the crew exit the forest and say goodbye. The village elders make to close the wall to the forest. But May hesitates. She really felt chemistry with the Bulbasaur, she's going to miss it, and Bulbasaur feels the same way, and it really wants to see the world beyond the forest, and remember how easily it took advice from her in battle? Venusaur looks over, like, why are you just standing there? It's no wonder when Bulbasaur runs for it and leaps into May's arms. They are meant to be a team. All the grass Pokemon cheer, they support their friend, and May's proven herself as one of the good ones. So Bulbasaur joins the team. If I were Ash, I'd be thrilled. Having a Pokemon that owns Vine Whip around is a literal lifesaver. One of the most useful things on the road. (laughs) Flying types and Vine Whip are, like, the two most useful things. (laughs) And that's where the episode ends. May gets a new addition to her team. And, uh, the, the gang moves on. And... I mean, as far as plot, May getting Bulbasaur on on the team is obviously the most important. Um, I rather love this Bulbasaur, and I love that May loves it. I do think they're a good fit. But there's a couple other things happening in this episode. Like, for one, this episode leans very hard into um, Ash and May shipping, which is not a terrible thing, depending on your OTP, I guess. It just feels like every season they like to set up the possibility that Ash and the companion girl might possibly have the potential for a thing. Again, keeping in mind that these are little ten-year-olds, and having having a thing, having a, a romance or a ship, is basically like spending time together, holding hands, and maybe a smooch. We're not going all that hot and heavy here. But, like, you know, they were a lot more explicit about Ash and Misty, possibly, maybe, will they, won't they... They're doing it a little with May. They'll do it, like, from time to time, just to, again, keep the possibility alive with Dawn. They'll go hard with Serena. I feel like Alola and maybe Iris are the only two where they, like, didn't push it hard. And that is, of course, looking at the writer's approach to heteronormative relationships, because, uh, hi, Go, hi, Silen, hi, Clement. There's a lot of interpretation to be had on how the writers uh, portray their relationship stash, but that's for another, that's for another episode. I also really like the idea that I'm sure the writers didn't intend in the slightest, or maybe they did, um, that these Guardians of the Forest here are like the long lost Team Flora counterparts to Aqua and Magma. Like it never comes up again. It's probably just a question of the animation budget that they look like they're dressed in the same type of outfits. But I'm going to die on that hill and add this to my personal Pokemon lore. Team Flora exists out here. It's doing its own thing. It's not hurting anybody. Although perhaps it could be a little bit more proactive when metal birds kidnap little children. You can disagree with me or not uh, at pecappypodcast.blogspot.com or my email pecappypodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podkicker, and the many other places RSS feeds are curated. Until next time, this has been Peacappy Podcast. Best wishes and gotta catch 'em all.